0: Hello, and welcome to The Bookmark, a podcast of the Wabash Carnegie Public Library. I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm Laura. And it
0: is April 2023. Let's start by
1: saying, how goes your reading resolutions, friend? My reading resolutions are going really well. I've read two more from my stack, which means I think I might be halfway done with the goal of reading one a month. And the year is not half over. Yeah, that's exciting. And then I also found um, a new mystery series that I've been reading like crazy. And it's uh, Ellie Griffiths. She wrote um, the Ruth Galloway ones uh-huh, that I read. Uh-huh. She, she has Brighton mysteries set in the 1950s. Oh, and cool. if you enjoy like the Hercule Poirot, the uh-huh. um, Miss Marple kind of feel, you will like these the best of her books that's cool, um, and they're just they're just delightful. They're about a group of guys who were in the war together, and they were in a special unit in m i five that was dedicated to like tricking the enemy into thinking that the u k had more tanks than they had oh, okay using mm-hmm. illusions mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the air okay um and when that unit disbanded, they all went on to their normal lives. Some of them went back on the stage, do the vaudeville circuits mm-hmm. and our lead character Edgar he went into the to uh, the police force so he cool. is now solving crimes and these his magician friends are getting pulled into them with him and that's it's,
0: cool it's that sounds really, really good. cool they're really yeah.
1: smart and fun and i just i just love them so i'm like right. the third one of that now because i'm just one after the other
0: well that's good that's good i have had i have struggled a bit with reading in the last month i have managed to read however two books, one audio, one novel, which keeps me on track yes, with it my does. resolutions. And also one of the books that I've read was a recommendation from my 14 year old niece. So I read I'm Glad My Mom Died
1: mm-hmm. by Jeanette
0: McCurdy. I have been on hold on Libby for three months. I've read that book for a very long time. I listened to it in two days though. Yeah. It's not a difficult, it's not a complicated read it is a bit of a difficult read yeah. at times
1: it's from what I've read it's a real emotional mm-hmm. hit very um, much so and I think the only way that I can read it with when it comes because I'm still waiting yeah. but when it does come to me I think the reason I'll be able to handle it is because she's done so many interviews and yeah. you can see she's okay mm-hmm. she's That's, still dealing with this but mm-hmm. she's this was part of dealing with her yeah. trauma and she's not in
0: it still. right Jeanette McCurdy, for those of you who don't know, was on the show iCarly, but it was good. It was good, and it was fast. Ah. I enjoyed it from that perspective. And just this morning before we started recording, I finished Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. I wrote in my journal when I started reading this book. It was on February 8th. Mm -hmm. We are recording this on March 14th. That is how long it took me. (laughs) to get through this 400 page book which makes 460 I guess but that doesn't make sense except for the fact that I don't know I just had a really hard time in the beginning I think I texted you early on and said this book feels like reading a television series yeah it's a lot of exposition in the beginning it's a lot of world building and character development and those are things that, like, aside from Legends and Lattes, I haven't really read a lot of fantasy lately. No. And so, in the last year or so, most of the things that I have read, for the most part, have been set in real reality, real life With worlds.
1: grumpy, grumpy men.
0: Yes. Or, you know, set different timelines, but yes. the same <laughs> the same natural world.
1: And so... Getting through all of the world building was a bit of a slog for me. I found when I read that that I didn't immediately, like, bond with any of the characters. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I'm reading something and I don't immediately click with a character, I find it a slog. Mm-hmm. Leah Gatchel, shout out to Leah. Used hey, to Leah. work here. She actually told me when I was kind of struggling with it, she goes, listen to audio. hmm And so I said, okay. She was right. Mm-hmm. And it's just full cast. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes I find, I listen to the audio and I'm like, this is just a person reading to me. But every single character was so distinct because, Mm -hmm. of course, they're all different narrators. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with that audiobook. It is so good. And I just, yes, please.
0: I really did enjoy it. I got into it. It took me, they had to get to the ice court before I was really Mm -hmm. into it. If you like world building, you like fantasy world building, it's a beautiful world that she's created mm-hmm. and it's very
1: complete. Yes. And if you really love a good audiobook.
0: Now, I will say, we don't have, unless you speak German, I believe. Yeah. We don't have an audio version Which, available because it's an Audible exclusive. Yeah, it's so, not available to us. So if you have Audible, you can get a hold mm-hmm. of it. All right, so there—that was my transition. Okay, that's great. <laughs> there are no uh, inventors club or story times this month, but there is a portable creative April fifth and nineteenth at Living Well Wabash's downtown office, which is thirty-five East Main Street, right next to the Rock City Lofts and right across the street from the Wabash County Museum. So, if you have a portable craft or art project that you're working on bring it with you and hang out with us. Laura and I are usually both there Mm -hmm. if we're available. So that's on the first and third Tuesday of every month. This coming month, it will be the 5th and the 19th. We also have D&D on Roll20.net on the 13th and the 27th. So if you're interested in joining our online D&D group, just contact Cody here at the library. His email's on the website, or you can give him a call at our main number, and he'll help you set up a character and get inputted and ready to play D&D on the second and fourth Thursday of every month on Roll20. So we have Kids Book Club coming up On April 17th, it's a Monday, they're doing Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's Library and making decoders
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: doing some mystery solving, puzzle solving specifically. So that'll be April 17th. If you have kiddos that read chapter books, you can pick up a copy of
1: the book for free when you register your kids for the event. And that's April 17th. And on the 20th, we have a teen craft and if you have seen these, they're really hilarious. And you, if you haven't, you should look them up. The, they started out as ironic boat and totes. <laughs> and it's an LL Bean bag, boat and tote. And you get that basically and have them embroider something hysterical on it. So I've seen some that just say anxious, or some that have some random like designer name not Hermes, <laughs> eh. or, or not, not a Birkin. Yes, um, yes. And these hilarious little things that people throw on them, and there are all kinds. I highly recommend just going to that um, Instagram, Ironic Boat and Tote, and just looking at a few of these, because they're hysterical. And as I saw that, and after I ordered my own, because I am here for any trend. <laughs> what does yours say? Mine just says multitudes, because it contains multitudes. Perfect. <laughs> because... Because I can't help myself. I want to say it's from Leaves in the Grass by Walt Whitman originally, but uh-huh. it's also a Dylan song. So, Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I love me some Dylan. And then I'm like, wait, wait, this is even nerdier than that. <laughs> the nerdiness is in layers. So anyway, I thought, you know what would be fun? Summer reading is theoretically coming. Whatever form that takes, um, we will do something. Uh-huh. And you're going to want to read some books. Yeah. And you're going to want to carry your books in something. So why yes. don't we make ironic book totes? Perfect. And so we're going to have a bunch of different little sayings already cut from the cricket. So when you come in, you can either hit it with the cricket heat press or or you can pick up your kit with the bag included, uh-huh. take it home, and iron it on. Yep. Perfect. Easy peasy and amazing. Yeah. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. I, I really... I have some great quotes, some of them from you, to put put on these, and I just can't wait to to make one. I think it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. I think they're really cool. Science Central is coming for Homeschool Science Club on the 11th, 11th, if I'm correct.
0: Okay, so we'll host Science Central on April 11th for Homeschool Science. If you have an elementary school, homeschool student, register them for that, and we will let you know. Uh, where
1: that's taking yeah. place. Please just keep an eye on our social media right now or subscribe to text alerts mm-hmm. for kids' programs, teen programs, adult mm-hmm. programs, whatever mm-hmm. it is, because genuinely things are going to change right. a lot quickly. Um, and sometimes some of the things that we have planned, we will think that they are in one location up until like the week of and then we find out oh we don't get to use that location yeah so we're so sign
0: up for us to, we're in uh, flux <laughs> yeah sign up for us to uh let you know and the other thing that I'm going to mention real quick is we will have one more podcast drop before it's here but I want you to be aware of it and be prepared for it that on May 8th at six thirty p.m we are welcoming Mike the I need to figure out how to say that, who is the producer and lead investigator of a YouTube channel called Sussex County Bigfoot. And uh, he will be here to share his experiences researching and tracking down the truth behind North America's most iconic cryptid Bigfoot. He uh, has been researching for over twelve years. Has captured some evidence along the way, so he will share that with you. He produces he produces a show called In the Shadow of Big Red Eye, which is a documentary. Also has a docu series called Squatchables about <laughs> beginning Bigfoot hunting. That's all available on his YouTube channel if you want to check that out. You can follow his Facebook page called In the Shadow of Big Red Eye. So he's going to bring some evidence backed by facts that he and his team have collected. He's also just going to talk about getting out and enjoying nature. And, it, you know, if that t- seems to be in the pursuit of Bigfoot, go for it. There will be a QA and a session after his presentation. He'll hang around afterwards if you want pictures with him or whatever. But check him out on his YouTube channel and sign up to join us for that program on May 8th at 630. It is open for all ages. I have a lot of father-son pairings who are already excited about this. Basically, any library staff that's not working that night has already expressed interest in being there. So uh, we will hopefully have a pretty full house. Space will be somewhat limited, so get your registration in as early as you can, but it'll be at 6.30 on Monday, May 8th. Okay, so I'm going to start this by saying I don't really watch movies anymore.
1: Neither do I. I
0: am terrible about, if it's not on TikTok or YouTube, I'm pretty much not watching it anymore. Yeah. Um, I probably haven't seen it in the last year or so, especially, and you will get a very clear idea of who I am and what I'm interested in through these, yeah, uh, these references.
1: Yeah, I have I have a preface yes. for, for me as a person. Okay, I don't watch a lot of movie adaptations that are books. Uh-huh. And the reason for that, the reason I avoid them is because I feel like I have to write an essay afterwards because that used to be like school for me. Uh Uh-huh. And I also get really mad at the rhetoric about book to movie adaptations because I feel like people have misunderstood categorically what that's supposed to be. Right. You can't carbon copy the book. Right. One, because of length. Yep. Two, because some scenes in a book do not translate well to, to film. Mm-hmm. If there's a lot of internal dialogue happening for a character, you might need to add a scene where something happens in order that it's not internal dialogue right. anymore. Yeah.
0: Well, that's interesting <laughs> because one of the things I have down here is let's define what a good adaptation mm-hmm. is um, before we launch into this. Yes. Because, because of that, because it is impossible True. to fully replicate a book unless it's maybe a novella. Yeah. And even then, you're always going to have more internal life in a book. Mm-hmm. So here's what I, – I have three things that make a good movie adaptation for me. If it is true to the conceit of the book, the overall conceit of what the book was trying to accomplish mm-hmm. – If it is true to the characterization in the book, and I'm not saying physically necessarily, but the characters have to feel like the characters in the book. Mm -hmm. And it's as true as possible to the happenings of the book. Yeah. For me. Now, I have, you will see some places where I am okay with books that start, or movies that started with the idea of a book and went completely their own way. Yeah. I'm okay with that, but for the most part, that's how I define a good adaptation.
1: Mm-hmm. I like to watch it and think about the decisions that were made, mm-hmm. why they were made, is this different, why is it different, and if I come out of it thinking, this is tell- giving me the same message, teaching me the same things, bringing me into the same like feeling mm-hmm. that the book did, I'm good with that. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't really matter how much you change as long as I am still feeling at the end of it that this is true enough that I'm getting yeah. the same experience. Mm-hmm. But if you take something and hit it with a hammer until it fits the shape <laughs> of what you think it should be, right? then I have problems yeah. with you. Yeah. And a good example of that would be what Steven Spielberg wanted to do with the Harry Potter movies, mm. which would have been the worst thing Mm. on Mm -hmm. this earth he was on a cgi kick then he wanted to do cgi Mm -hmm. he wanted to set it in the united states and he wanted all american actors Mm -hmm. and they just point blank said no oh no
0: some of these themes (laughs) and ideas will come up later in my list so as by way of sort of disclaimer this is probably one of the most subjective oh yeah topics that we have ever talked about now Obviously, everything that we talk about is subjective and our opinions are our own Mm -hmm. and our recommendations are our own. But, I mean, this is... I'm gonna talk about some things. I've got some hot takes on this list. I have some hot takes that I think you're gonna disagree with. Okay, so okay, we'll see. And you may disagree with some of mine mm-hmm. and that's okay and you listening may also that wildly disagree with us. We'd love to see that in the comments. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Tell us why we're wrong or why you think we're wrong or what you think are the best adaptations or, or the, the worst because we're gonna hit both. In this, And I guarantee I can tell you which one's going to be more entertaining to me. Yeah. Okay. So my good are in no particular order. Good. Whatsoever. You will see what a Gen X kid I am. Yes. When I start talking about these. But also I apparently have a recurring thing for Emma Watson in book adaptations, which I didn't <laughs> realize until I made this list. She's in three of the ones that I think are excellently done. Also, I have a firm belief that authors being involved in the adaptation of their books makes a big difference. So the Harry Potter series is one of them for me. Also, the Hunger Games series, I think, was done relatively, at least at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It started out well. I haven't seen the last one, but I thought they did a relatively good job of bringing that world to
1: life. The Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is on my list, too. It's, It's The Hobbit, you would note, is not on my list. Um, but The Lord of the Rings is. It's, I took Lord
0: of the Rings off my list, but it was just because my list was too long. Yes. I so, think that yeah. it was
1: done um, incredibly loyal to those books. Yes. I think that the only things that were removed were things like Tom Bombadil. Who deserved to be removed? Last Tom night. Tom
0: Bombadil, the worst chapter of all time. Last night, Marion and I were having this conversation, and he said Lord of the Rings, and he said, I don't even care that they left Tom Bombadil out. He is the Jar Jar Binks of Lord of the Rings. He
1: is, and he should have been pulled out of there. That's
0: hilarious. Just and yet it, again.
1: <sighs> it's true. It's true.
0: I think that's another instance of, obviously, Tolkien wasn't involved in the creation of no, those movies. he was dead. But an extreme fanboy
1: was. Yes, and and they consulted not just with the books but also with christopher tolkien mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and kind of worked with what world building notes tolkien mm-hmm. made which were huge mm-hmm. hu- i mean he he did but a lot but you can of see building.
0: that peter jackson had such love and affection yes. for that world that he was not gonna do it an injustice if he could help it if
1: he could help it yes so so i think that then the flaw that came with the hobbit was trying to do too much because i hated that that would you like
0: me to tell you where the hobbit sits on my list of yes it's in my category i like the movie better (gasps) (laughs) that's okay take number one here's why i read the hobbit when i was in like seventh grade Mm -hmm. i don't remember it that well i tried to watch the first movie twice fell asleep in the same place both times Mm -hmm. then the world shut down (laughs) (laughs) the whole world
1: trauma bonded with the hobbit movies to a
0: screeching halt and the first thing that we comfort binged was all three movies in the hobbit series Mm -hmm. and it was you know three hours at a time like three days in a row where we didn't have anything else to do where were we going to go and it became it has this very warm place in my heart now because of that yes because it is it is the thing that when everything else in the world was crazy
1: mm-hmm.
0: this was a comfort place for me to get yeah. lost in this world and like i said i hadn't read this book since like 7th grade i didn't care that they weren't mm-hmm. the same i am not And I think that's a big difference sometimes. I don't have an emotional connection to any of those books. And in fact, I've I've read The Hobbit and I started reading The Fellowship of the Ring. Mm -hmm. Tolkien's too wordy for me. His world building is too wordy for me. And so I've never read that entire series, but Mm -hmm. I will watch the original three and The Hobbit three again and again Mm -hmm. because... I find them soothing.
1: That is great.
0: So, yeah, that's my hot take. I I actually like the series better.
1: (laughs) I do have an emotional connection to The Hobbit Uh um, because I read that. I want to say I was like in the third grade when I read The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. I read it over and over again, and it made me laugh. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the parts of it that were – because it started out as a children's book. Right, right. um, And the parts of it that were children's book – were lost because it needed to stand beside the lord of the rings trilogy and jackson i think wanted them to have the same tone right when really the book does not have that right. tone yeah you know what is a good adept if you don't want to sink
0: your teeth into nine hours of a very <laughs> dramatic cinematically beautiful but sometimes just various People wandering because that's what Fellowship of the Ring is. It's in a my walking head. book. I can't handle just walking movies. Like that's why I don't like adventuring, <laughs> questing movies. So I'm like, just, just do something. Just get on a plane. Stop walking. <laughs> <laughs> just do something. The animated. Oh, I hate that. Like a sick. Do
1: you? I hate um, that. So much. They're very short. It's one of the worst things ever made. Okay. Well, that's where you part ways with one
0: person, I know.
1: Yes. (laughs) Very much so. We're going to change pace real quick. Mm -hmm. Pivot again to Pinecone and Pony on Apple TV. (laughs) It is The Princess and the Pony adapted into a TV show. Mm -hmm. I love The Princess and the Pony. Mm -hmm. I have a stuffed pony. It started off as an online comic. Hark! A Vagrant was her comic that she would do. Absolutely hysterical. I knew it started with a K. And she created this little pony that was just like this figure of chaos in her comics mm-hmm. that she mm-hmm. would do. And after a while, <laughs> that became a children's book. Pinecone is the princess. And she's adorable. And she hates it because she wants to be a warrior. And she all she wants for Christmas, or her birthday, it's her birthday, is a a... Wore a horse to ride into battle, and she is given this very round, stubby, like Shetland pony. <laughs> not a mini mini pony, you know. Not not any of the ones. It is fully a Shetland pony, which look like balls with legs, and they're hysterically <laughs> funny. And I love them. And I often just look up videos of those to bring me joy in my life. And I would not do this if it weren't for the Princess and the Pony. So I got Apple TV specifically to watch this when it came out. I remember you telling me that. And I watched every episode, and it was delightful. It stayed completely true to not just the um, feeling um, and the lesson that was in that picture book, but also to the art style, which is really important because Kate Beaton's art is very distinctive. So if you happen to have Apple TV or can sign up for a a trial of that and you have young children, I highly recommend Princess and the Pony. Or Pinecone and Pony, as it is on Apple. And then I also have um, two that are on Netflix that I absolutely love and think were done brilliantly. And that is Heartstopper, which is Alice Oseman's um, comic book series or graphic novel series that has been transitioned Mm -hmm. into a live action show. That was done beautifully. It is so heartwarming. And then Shadow and Bone was done brilliantly. And that's a great example of someone working directly with the author Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because Leigh Bardugo was on set for that she did a lot of work with that so those are my great ones okay well I'm gonna
0: give you a couple of other good ones and I'll just run through them let's hit the 90s which is (laughs) my era I originally put about a boy by Nick Hornby the book by Nick Hornby Mm -hmm. and I love that movie so much it's Hugh Grant see also High Fidelity Mm
1: -hmm. I was
0: a big Nick Hornby fan in the late 90s and early 2000s but High Fidelity came out in 2000 About a Boy came out in 2002 those are If you want to see movies that are super indicative of the time in which they came out, how films were made and what books were also like, especially if you were in a late 90s, early 2000s sort of hipster, like, (laughs) you know, only indie films, please. And small indie bands that nobody's ever heard of. And yeah, also Jurassic Park. Jurassic
1: Park was great. And I went back and read that book, and that is one example of where I prefer the movie. The movie over the book. Over the book. It's interesting because he had
0: the idea for that book, and was talking. Michael Crichton was talking to his friend Steven Spielberg <laughs> about this book that he wanted to write. And I think I might get my timelines a little bit mixed up, but basically that they were being developed sort of at the same time. Mm-hmm. That movie still holds up. It absolutely You consider the fact that that movie was made in 1993.
1: Yeah, and it came out on VHS, and my grandma bought it for my little brother, (laughs) who was like all of, I don't know, six. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, (laughs) bit terrifying.
1: (laughs) Bit old for him. That was a movie. I saw the movie
0: with my dad in a theater, and then I read the book afterwards. And I was in, I believe, ninth grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, and. It was a little too sciencey for me at the time that I read it. But then a few years ago I went back and reread it. Mm-hmm. Well, a few years before that, and then a few years ago I reread it again. And I just love that book. I yeah. love its thematic questioning of the responsibility of science. Mm-hmm. Love that one. The Princess Bride. Oh, that's great. Princess Bride is a really good one. That's a great movie. The Outsiders was maybe the first Book that I read and then immediately saw the movie and went, Oh my gosh, this is almost exactly the same.
1: Never read the book, never watched the movie. Really?
0: <laughs> I have both, if you'd like. I love it. And not uh, for two reasons. One, I love that book. Mm-hmm. It's a quick read, it's an easy read, yeah. but I really enjoyed it. I don't know why um, I never picked that up. And it was one of the first books that I read as a kid growing up in a small, fairly undiverse <laughs> small town <laughs> where I went, This makes me want to understand. Both sides of the story, you know, but also that movie is a who's who of early 80s heartthrob actors. You've got little tiny baby Tom Cruise, Matt Dillon, Emilio Estevez, C. Thomas Howell. I know I'm missing people, but so
1: many people. But yeah, and many people it
0: is. I just love that movie. I love it so much. So and S.E. Hinton was also a screenwriter on that movie. Mm -hmm. So also a huge Supernatural fan. She's had uh, cameos in at least one episode of Supernatural.
1: That's great. She's often credited for inventing the genre, or not the genre, the category of YA. Uh-huh. Because they just weren't writing books yeah. for teens at that yeah. point. And she came through with that. <laughs> and that changed the whole whole game of publishing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have To Kill a Mockingbird.
1: That's on my list as a Love classic. Love it. have done brilliantly. Love it.
0: Little Women, the 2019 version. Yeah, it's so well done. And it's, and a, slight sure it it's mm-hmm. a slight twist.
1: It's a slight
0: twist. It changes one teeny tiny little thing that works really well. I also have the Wizard of Oz on my list. Yeah. So and that's pretty standard. Yes. <laughs> it's very different from the book. But my it, friend but Jennifer's absolutely really good
1: favorite. Yeah. From yeah. from when she was young. And yeah. so I always associate that with her.
0: I have two other slightly more modern books under my good. One is The Perks of Being a Wallflower, mm-hmm. which. I we, didn't add that
1: because I knew you would.
0: <laughs> absolutely. A hundred percent. I love that book. It's one of my favorite books of all time. And I think it was so brilliantly done. Again, book and screenplay, both written by the same person. Yeah. It's so good. That's an Emma Watson one. Oh, Emma Watson's in the newer uh, Little yes, Women as well. So it that book's so good. And it just makes me feel everything. And the other thing I have is the one series that I have, which is Good Omens.
1: Yeah, Good Omens um, is great.
0: Again, written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, developed for series by Neil Gaiman. Yeah. So you can't. You can't beat that. can't beat it. And you, you a, a, I have a tendency, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to be a little more lenient with changes that aren't true to a story I love if I know the writer of the original story made the change. Yes, exactly. Um, if
1: they said, you know what, this will work. This will mm-hmm. work for this format. I say, okay, great, yeah. go for it.
0: This still, still tells the story I wanted to mm-hmm. tell. So that's it for my good. The, well, sort the, of. The,
1: the delineation I made between great and good is – good is i loved this mm-hmm. but it is very different from what you would have read if you picked up well the my next section is
0: the good but separate
1: yes and <laughs> and so this would fall into the good but separate mm-hmm. okay i've got *House moving castle on here mm-hmm. i love *House moving castle i watch that movie constantly but if you were to watch that and then read the book you would say oh my gosh what because Book Sophie is a totally different person. She is snarky. She is hilarious. Mm-hmm. She constantly bickers with Howell. All they do is bicker the uh-huh. entire book. Uh-huh. And she at one point gets so mad at him that she takes one of his suits that he's so proud of and cuts it into <laughs> little triangles and ma- to make something else out of it. And, and he just loses it. And it's beautiful. There are some things that line up that are the same. Uh-huh. Like the slime scene absolutely mm-hmm. happens in yep. the movie for the same reason. And the reason why that scene is so funny is because Diana Wynne-Jones wrote that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it mm-hmm. just is carbon copy, just transferred. Yeah, But things like where, how came from, mm-hmm. missing from the movie. The reason they're at war, missing. <laughs> um, because there was no war in the book. There was mm-hmm. only the threat of war. There are two missing people in the book that you then meet later on that explain a whole lot of stuff that don't exist in the movie. For those of you who don't remember and or didn't
0: listen to an earlier podcast, Howl's Moving Castle is, if not Laura's favorite book of all time, it's, it's definitely one of them. There. It's way so up there. So the fact that she can give the movie a big ol' thumbs up yeah. is a big
1: deal. Yeah, and, and I watched the movie first, and I don't know how I would feel... If I had watched the movie second, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely watched the movie first because I didn't know it was a book. I think that's a big thing yes. in some of some of these
0: other ones that we'll talk about. Is if you haven't read the book yet, mm-hmm. the movie can stand. Yes, and sometimes. It's easier then to go back and read the book and go,
1: yeah. okay, well, this is very different, but I like them both. Something I stopped doing long ago was saying, oh, I can't wait to watch that movie. I better read the book first. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, if you've read it and you want to watch the movie, great. Yeah. But if you want to just go and enjoy a movie, go and enjoy a movie. Absolutely, yes. Consume it as a separate piece of media because that's what it is. Yep. And if you like it and it's not true to the book, Mm -hmm. that's okay. Because we'll move on to the next one that I love (laughs) that is absolutely not true to the book almost at all. And yet, I love it. And it's The Princess Diaries. Oh, I had that. And then I took it off. The Princess (laughs) Diaries. Grandma in the Princess Diaries books is not Julie Andrews. <laughs> she is chain smoking and drinking uh-huh. the entire time. Uh-huh. She has this hairless little dog that is just horribly obnoxious, and she is not Disney approved. Uh-huh. And so they disnified her, so she yeah. looks like a different person. I feel like and is not as funny. But it's Julie Andrews, and so you can forgive it.
0: It is. I will say, though, as a curly-haired little girl who grew up with crazy, unmanageable curls, the fact that to make her pretty they had to make her hair straight was heartbreaking to me. And that
1: is not in the book. Yeah. In the book, she's blonde, and her hair is shaped like a triangle. And so they give her a pixie cut because the only way to keep her hair under control is a pixie Uh cut. Uh-huh. And then they cut out a whole person, which I really think is a big problem because it made the movie way less diverse. Mm. In fact, it took it from a book that had people from all over the place and made it into a, um, almost an all white movie. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Tina Hakim Baba is the character that I got really mad, got pulled mm-hmm. out. But I loved that movie anyway. And I loved Sherlock even though that had nothing to oh, do. Yeah. That had nothing I to do. I didn't even think about that. Sherlock but yeah. is a great example of taking a book that happened and is its own thing and mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to pull the themes out of this. You're talking about the series. The, sh- the okay. series, Sherlock, and mm-hmm. spitting out yeah. something completely different and yet completely the same. Yeah, Highly recommend those. Uh, absolutely, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Those were great. And then another one that I really enjoyed in theaters that is going to be controversial Okay. Because a lot of people got really mad about this. Okay. I enjoyed The Martian. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Yeah. I would say that that had to change because Mark Watney is not narrating this movie. You are seeing what actually happens and not what yeah. is filtered through his sense of humor. Because mm-hmm. he's writing these things down like, well, I almost died today. <laughs> using humor as a coping mechanism. And when you're watching that movie – You're not getting that dialogue. You're just getting what actually happened. So it changes the tone a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, my three
0: in my good but separate area are World War Z, Mm -hmm. Max Brooks. It is – so the book takes place after the zombie apocalypse. The movie takes place at the beginning of and into – or at the very beginning of the zombie apocalypse. So those two things are completely separate. But even Max Brooks, who wrote the book, said – that he liked the movie because it had so little to do with the book that he could enjoy it as its own thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like watching his own characters and plot being mangled. It was so different that it was just an enjoyable zombie movie. Well, good. And I'm like, <laughs> That's okay, cute. you can't, you can't be mad about that. We've watched it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And my my husband loves that movie. Mm-hmm. He also loves Max Brooks, though. So yeah. So World War Z is, if you. If you take it as a straight adaptation of the book, you'll bang your head against a wall. Oh, it is yes, not the same at all. But it's really good on its own. I, my other two are probably more controversial. Controversial? What is that word? It's a new one you just made. <laughs> Ready Player One mm-hmm. by Ernest Cline. Uh, film made by Steven Spielberg. Again, if you are a fan of the book, like, if you read that book and went, these are the most amazing 80s pop culture references, and I love everything about this, how everybody works together to, you know, all of the conceits of Re- that made Ready Player One great as a book, you find some of them, but it's very different. The, mm-hmm. the movie is very different. Both are very good. Yeah. it's Ready Player One is fun. I'm if sure you're not expecting it to be an exact adaptation of the
1: book. Did the book reference a lot of things directly? Like Yes, and, and a, a lot of things that
0: they wouldn't have been able to license. And I bet that or, that was the, yeah. the
1: the whole thing yes. there because I remember watching songs and yeah. and clips of things,
0: like video
1: clips and yeah. things like that, and products even. And yeah, and so, the yes. thing that you have to think about when you watch a movie that's an adaptation like that, is if it is dependent upon pulling in things that are licensed to another company, mm-hmm. you're going to see a very different film right. than the book. Yeah. They let people in books get away with, it's called fair use. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can reference things in your book without having to pay right. anything to any company Right. It's just how yeah. it is. But if you're going to then show a character Visualize on, it. visually yeah. on a, in a film, you need to have permission to have that character in a film right. differently.
0: Yeah. The other one that I have, this may be the most uh, hot take of all, and it's surprising because I did read the book first and love the book.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's Miss Peregrine's home for peculiar children Mm -hmm. now here's the thing I don't understand to this day why they did what they did with the characters in that movie (laughs) I don't understand why they combined some characters together to make one they switched some people's powers around they aged the kids up some in some cases there's no it's not like it makes more sense in Mm -hmm. the movie for it to be that way if you don't know about Miss Peregrine's it's a book by Ransom Riggs that he started writing based on these old weird creepy photos that he would find like at flea markets and things like that. And so it's a very visual book. The, oh, yeah. the images are in the book throughout. It has a it gives the book a very distinct feel and tone because of that kind of old creepy visualization. So when they hired Tim Burton to create the movie, I just went, well, duh. Yeah, that makes sense. And because it is, I think they hired the right person to visually bring it to life. Mm -hmm. It still looks beautiful. I think is it Ava Green? Is that her name who plays Miss Peregrine? I think I think she's perfect
1: because I haven't watched that movie.
0: Yeah. Well, it's very different. Mm -hmm. And if you are if you are dedicated to that book, it, it might be hard.
1: Book was it do not finish for was it yeah. the first one <laughs> yeah
0: I haven't I haven't finished I didn't finish the second one and I
1: haven't read the third and I will say there's nothing wrong with the book that kept me from finishing it it is a beautiful book mm-hmm. it is incredibly illustrated photographed it I mean it's great mm-hmm. and you know what doesn't translate into ebook
0: oh yeah that. visual
1: so at the time that I read that I had an ebook copy mm. and don't yeah don't because it ruined it yeah
0: um so that's one that I think is good but separate it's not the same but it's it's still a beautiful Mm -hmm. movie and it's still I think even without the book you can enjoy it for Mm -hmm. what it is um so yeah there's that so my next category is called I liked the movie better yes I know I talked about the Hobbit series Mm -hmm. I have Fight Club I really like I love that movie. When it came out, here's the, the Gen Xer in me again. It was, I don't know, I can't even explain. It felt fresh and different and it was ugly but still beautiful in mm-hmm. how like gritty and gross it was and this is the indie movie lover in me even though it wasn't really an empty indie, uh, indie movie. I also find Chuck Palahniuk's books to be a little hard to read because of his content is a little too raw sometimes for me but the movie hit just right at the right time and so I love that movie and it's not just because of Brad Pitt I just really love every weird gross thing about that movie the others I have two together and I'm I'm interested to see what you think but it kind of almost goes back to what you were saying about Shadow and Bone Mm -hmm. I have both Divergent the first one mm-hmm. and the Maze Runner series,
1: mm-hmm.
0: both of those, because I read those books immediately after I had finished The Hunger Games, which is a mistake. And <laughs> Divergent felt so um, derivative of what mm-hmm. I had already read. Read Maze Runner, I did Divergent, I didn't make it all the way through the first one. Maze Runner, I got through the first one and I was like I'm Mm -hmm. I can't do this I was just burnt out on that post-apocalyptic kids being endangered by adults either for their research or entertainment purposes I just didn't finish either series but I really liked the movies for what they were when the movies came around later I was ready to just kind of sink into the first Divergent movie for sure I love the whole Maze Runner series and a lot of people who like the books like the like the first and second ones and then think it fell apart in the mm-hmm. third. So, anyway, those are ones that I think along with The Hobbit, mm-hmm. I prefer the movie to the books mm-hmm. and I enjoy those. And I'm not like going back and rewatching them all the time, but I enjoy them
1: for what they are. I would say that if you want a great classic to sit down and watch and feel like you are experiencing what the book was without cracking the book open, you cannot go wrong by grabbing Anne of Green Gables with Megan Fellows. Good. Absolutely call. beautifully done. So is Jeremy Brett's versions of the Sherlock Holmes stories. They uh-huh. are the truest to the stories that you will get. David Suchet's um, Hercule Poirot, Lawless. He's done every single story. So you can watch every Hercule Poirot with him in it. He's so good. Don't read or don't watch the new ones kill mockingbird is on this list because it is flawless um if you like shakespeare at all the hollow crown series um was done Mm -hmm. so well david Tennant also did a hamlet that was beautiful yes and um uh, patrick stewart did i don't remember what he did but he did one that was just brilliant he He did did richard yes yeah he did
0: richard the third he did richard the
1: third it was brilliant and i loved all that bleak house that was Uh, done beautifully so was persh Persuasion, that's the 2007 version from mm-hmm. the BBC. Jane Eyre from 2006, also BBC. Flawless. And here are the ones that you just should set on fire. Any version. The classic of, ones? Yes. Okay. Any version of The Woman in White and any version of The <laughs> Moonstone. Okay. There's my classic section.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's move on to my favorite thing to talk about, which is the bad. Yeah. And some of my bad, so for instance, my first one, is Paper Towns.
1: I, that's on my the ugly list. Okay. Because I hated well, that Well, here's so
0: why it's on my bad list.
1: <laughs> I wrote that this was mostly about Cara Delevingne's eyebrows, mm-hmm. which is a valid plot point, but come on.
0: <laughs> so, Paper Towns was a book by John Green that came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. The movie came out in 2015. To be fair, it's probably my least favorite John Green book to mm-hmm. begin with. So, I don't know that the movie really stood a chance of me liking it as I guess it could have turned my opinion a little bit. The book I think kind of rambles. It's not it doesn't have the same I don't I've used the word charm a lot. It doesn't have the same feeling that Looking for Alaska has as a book but it has the same kind of idea Mm -hmm. sort of. Not exactly but the searching for the manic pixie dream girl and then mm-hmm. discovering her to not be what you thought she was.
1: I, I liked um, the, the concept in that book of falling in love with the image you have of a person yeah. and then realizing that that's not who you fell in yeah. love with because they're yeah. not that person at all. Yeah,
0: true. Uh, on my list of favorite John Green books, this one is legit at maybe, eh, I don't know. It my favorite is for- An
1: Abundance of Catherine's.
0: I was going to say, <laughs> it's down there toward the bottom with an abundance of Catherine's for I love me.
1: abundance of Catherine. Will Grayson,
0: Will Grayson is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And then, which I still count as a John Green book, even though it's co-written. It's, yeah. You can tell very clearly who wrote what parts of that you book, can. I think. Uh, I love Will Grayson, Will Grayson. I love looking for Alaska. Mm-hmm. I guess Fault in Our Stars. You know what? It's down toward the bottom for me, too. Yeah. I haven't read Turtles all the way down.
1: I read the first chapter, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the inside of my brain. I can't.
0: (laughs) Well, anyway, that is to say that Paper Towns, somehow they took a book that I didn't like and made a movie that I didn't like even more.
1: I hated that. And so I have have the bad and the (laughs) ugly. So in the bad, which is any movie where they paid more attention to how attractive an actor is to whether Mm. they're a good choice Uh for the part. And so I just put any movie featuring Shailene Woodley. Nah, not, divergent. Not because of her acting, mm-hmm. but because there was a time where she was that it girl of yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, true. Where they put her into too many teen movies where she essentially played the same character.
0: You know what's weird about her? Is that she and What's-His-Face, the other one who I feel like I shouldn't probably even name uh, because Ansel. of his own issues. But yes. yeah. Anyway, they played in Fault in Our Stars they're madly in love and then Divergent comes out immediately at the same time and they're brother and sister and it
1: is the weirdest yeah knock your head around kind of it's the problem of of Hollywood thinking that they need to cast someone who is a Mm heartthrob in the roles Mm -hmm. that they have in teen films when in reality you should hire someone who can do the, the role yeah and so I just I think that you screw that up in a big way And here's my controversial opinion that I'm throwing down. I could barely make it through those Twilight movies. I hated them so much. And I felt the same way about the Hunger Games movies. You
0: know what I was going to say about Twilight? And the reason it's not on my list is because I cannot figure out where to put it. Because
1: I didn't like them. No. But they're true to the books. Yeah, and the fault of that is that both of those books – wrote the lead character as a tabula rasa Uh which is a blank slate yeah you are supposed to read those and feel as though the character could be you yeah you are basically supposed to self-insert into those stories and then on film it means that if you directly translate that it's a blank and vapid character your character has no personality no human emotion Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. at first i blamed Kristen Stewart mm-hmm. and then I saw her in another film and I was like oh you do have mm-hmm. you can oh mm-hmm. it wasn't you yeah it was the directing I just think that that's yeah. a, those both were a waste yeah you could have done so much better if you had said I'm gonna write I'm gonna give Bella a personality part of the problem I think with the twilight is my issue with those books have the twilight as the I say twilight
0: uh, Part of the issue, I think, is the fact that not a lot happens in those books. No.
1: And most of this, the plot is these people are attractive. Yes. And, yes. And when that's the whole plot of your book and or movie, that's a problem. Yeah. And they didn't need to be three or four movies. Right. They could have been one.
0: They for sure didn't need to be four.
1: Yeah. They could have um, been one. Yeah. It's the
0: problem of like nothing happens Yeah, in these bo- I didn't put it on my list just because the movie is true to the book. Yeah. But I don't particularly favor either of them. And I feel like that's so, where it falls apart. Yeah.
1: There are times when as a screenwriter, as a director, you have to say, what is the book lacking that we need for mm-hmm. this to be a good movie? Mm-hmm. And that means that you throw away the animatronic baby mm-hmm. that looks like a four-year-old. And instead, write what you need to write yeah. into this book yeah. to make it make sense.
0: Yeah. I have, my other ones on my bad list are kind of weird. One of them is a classic book.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: The Scarlet Letter.
1: I've never watched that movie. The 1990-whatever,
0: 5-6 version is the one that I'm talking about. 1995. Had Demi Moore in it.
1: I think it's telling that I was in lit classes where that book was taught at least three times mm-hmm. to me for various reasons. And never once did any professor pair that movie with the book. A thousand percent. Do you know why? (laughs) Because it's terrible. Because
0: that book is not erotic fiction. No. Yet somehow the movie is, (laughs) I wrote on my paper, why is the movie so sexy? Ugh, gross. (laughs) It is a gross misinterpretation of the book. Yeah. And it's not well acted either. No. But it that book has so much to say about women and ostracization, not going to say that word, right? And I guess to a degree some about romance, but it's not about the affair itself. No. It's about the the parity the disparity between the treatment of mm-hmm. of people involved in the same Relationship and blah blah blah. It's not about weird, gross, eighteen hundred sexy times, which <sighs> is what the movie is. If you want to see a better adaptation of the Scarlet Letter, watch Easy A. Easy A was great. Watch Easy, Easy A. a. It it's so
1: much. It's just better. It's it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a yeah. great movie, and it is the Scarlet Letter. That's yeah. the whole point of it. Yeah, it's great. Yep. It did to The Scarlet Letter what Clueless did to Emma, and yes. it's fantastic. Yep. Highly recommend. Yep.
0: I also have The Nanny Diaries on my list. Okay, what so... What does that say? <laughs> the book by Emma McLaughlin and... Or McLaughlin and Nicola Kraus came out in 2002. It was one of the first books I read when I started working here.
1: I can see the cover. Uh-huh. It, and it... It was such an iconic cover. It is a journalistic
0: style. Like, it's actually diary entry style. And the reason that I liked it so much was I liked all the characters, but it wasn't necessarily like, I'm not going to say it wasn't a cohesive story, but it wasn't one story.
1: And it didn't need to be.
0: No, it was a collection Mm -hmm. of, it was a fictionalization of their lives as mm-hmm. nannies in in Manhattan.
1: So it was like a series of anecdotes that kind of yes glomped together, much like I would say the Devil Wears Prada. Yes, it, it was someone else's experience yes. that they just novelized.
0: Yes, and so it doesn't have like that one central. It's it's the same character, but it's not like one central story. The movie gave it a central story. Mm-hmm. Which here's the thing, I have it on the bad. It's not the movie's fault it's not it's not the movie's fault because you can't just do a movie in that same style no. it needs a central conceit it needs like a it needs a beginning middle and end in a different way than the book existed in the novel nobody has names they refer to everybody by letters like mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. X or the guy that she likes from Harvard who she just calls H. -hmm. Well, in the movie, all those people have to have names. Yes, they do. Well, I think Mr. and Mrs. X are still that. But, like, the love interest needs a name. Of course. And so, it. I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's the movie's fault. It's just one of those disappointments that I loved the book. And maybe if I watched the movie with some separation from the book, I would have been like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. But because... I read the book in 07, the movie came out in 07, yeah. and I watched it immediately, and I just went, ugh, I'm so disappointed. Mm-hmm. And so now there's this taste in my mouth about that book that I'm just, or about that movie where I'm just like, ugh, I don't like that movie. Yeah. Again, this may be the one on my list that is not the book's fault.
1: No, you know what <laughs> else they I'll say changed a lot, but it still really worked? Like an example of that done right would be Julie and Julia. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was, Because they had to change that a lot. Mm-hmm. It was blog posts to a book, and then they were like, here, let's tell these stories side by side. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, that was well done. Yeah. Unlike <laughs> these other books on my list. Go ahead. I have one more, but you get some of yours in. Percy Jackson. Uh,
0: I didn't put it on here because I haven't seen it. <laughs>
1: they butchered that. They just axed it apart. And then – They aged everybody up and said, look what we did. We fixed it so people will like this teen heartthrob. Isn't he handsome? And then they threw it out in the world, and when they needed to make the second one, they were like, wait, we broke this so bad we can't. (laughs) <laughs> now they are redoing percy jackson as uh-huh. a disney plus series right now yeah and from what i have seen everything that they are putting into it and the amount of involvement that our my dear dear uncle rick um <laughs> has in this process i think that that will be good even if it's a little different um but the first attempt even even rick riordan has come out and said how terrible mm-hmm. those were mm-hmm. and they're usually under contract to not say anything, right? And his contract ran out enough that he was like, "Set it on fire! <laughs> I have the rights back, and I'm going to hit you over the head with them until this <laughs> movie goes away." So then I have Paper Towns, obviously. Yes. Susan Cooper's *The Dark is Rising*, one of my favorite series of all hmm. time, was made into a, just a book called *The Dark*, or just a movie called *The Dark is Rising*. Oh no. <laughs> I'm, that's all I have to say about that one. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then there's one that I know you agree with me on. And I hate this, not just because Bethany and I almost died right after we watched it.
0: The City of Bones. Oh, it's on my terrible list.
1: That This is my The Ugly List. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's on my ugly list, too. I hate that movie so much. Oh,
1: man. City of Bone or City of Bones?
0: Just one. <laughs> Let's talk about the one. It's only one movie because it was so bad it that they didn't so make any of the It was so bad. Arrest
1: what was that casting? Uh, Yes. And what was that writing? Yep. <laughs>
0: Here's what I wrote succinctly. I loved these books. Mm-hmm. The first three in this trilogy. There were more. I didn't love them. But those three. I love the character. I, d- I love Simon. I love Clary. I mm-hmm. love Jace. I love all of... Uh, I loved Alec and Magnus. Yes. All of them. Love them. I'm leaving Isabel. 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 She's fine. But... <laughs> I loved her more later. Yes. I loved okay. her more later. I love all those people. Everything about that book. Everything about the book that I loved, the movie failed. Yes. <laughs> Everything. From the casting process. Yes. Uh, it was pretty obvious it wasn't going to be right when no. they started announcing who they were hiring. None of the casting felt right. None of it. The acting was bad. The yeah. chemistry of the characters was off. non The structure of the movie is wackadoodle, yes. as I wrote. I don't like anything about that movie. Nothing.
1: One of the things I love about Cassandra Clare is her sense of humor. Uh Uh-huh. Where was that? Yeah, not there. Gone. Gone.
0: Not there because that that actor that plays Jace, first of all, he had just come off being one of the Volturi in Twilight. And that was weird. A weird transition. Also, he has none of the arrogant, almost off-putting arrogance that Jace has in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's like clearly a show. Yeah. But it's it makes you but that it makes him endearing later that dynamic between Isabel and Jace and Alec is necessary mm-hmm. you need to have the people that Jace trusts and feel like he actually trusts them and yeah. i will tell you where it g- went completely south for me and the fact that i even finished reading the book is or not reading the book but watching the movie is a miracle cuz i didn't go to the theater to see it it was the moment That Jace and Clary are talking outside of like a cafe, I believe, Mm -hmm. in broad daylight. And they're having this back and forth kind of argument. And it was the most stilted, poorly acted, (laughs) no chemistry, (laughs) awkward. What am I? I am uncomfortable watching this. Yes. Yes. Exchange. And I finished it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I should have known when Valentine showed up midway through, when he doesn't even, does he even show up in the first book? I don't remember, but I don't think so. I can't remember either, but you most certainly don't know. I don't think. I don't, now, this is another one of those series where all three books are going to run together in my head. Yeah. But there's a whole lot about that dynamic and that relationship mm-hmm. that is not revealed in as quickly as it is in the book, Mm-mm. which to me... I will say this. To me that said we don't think we're going to make another one of these.
1: That's exactly what it because said. Because they it just
0: they squished a bunch of things together they and did. it is so poorly executed. It
1: was bad. <laughs> it was it's so bad. It was bad. And you know it wasn't even the kind of bad that's kind of also good that you want to sit and make fun of cuz there's nothing to make fun of. It's, it's just painful. Not. There are movies Oh no.
0: There's plenty to make
1: fun of. Yeah, but not, (laughs) it's too painful for me to enjoy it. Like there are movies that you watch just to mock and they become their own little thing that you enjoy. Not this. I will say that the Shadowhunter
0: world Mm -hmm. that Cassandra Clare has built is fascinating. It's in her writing, it's visual. Yeah. There is no reason why they have not been able to adapt it well. Agreed. Agreed. And yet somehow, either because they're trying to focus on the wrong things about it, which may be a big part mm-hmm. of it, but also just because there was also a television series
1: and it, I did watch that. Shadow Hunters. I did watch that and it was it was pretty good. It was better. Mm-hmm. It was however, very different uh-huh. and different in a way that I thought was stupid and unnecessary. Yeah. although I I did keep watching it mm-hmm. because they cast that so well right. That
0: it kept me there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I have not seen the series, but I've seen clips from Mm -hmm. the series. And it definitely for sure looks better cast than the movie. My other one on the ugly list is The Girl on the Train. And I have not watched or read that. And it's, I'm sure for some people it was fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I liked that book a lot. It's all right Um, for you. That's what my grandpa always used to say. Well, that's all right for you.
0: Paula Hawkins wrote The Girl on the Train in 2015. It's her debut novel. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It has a very unreliable narrator, which is one of my favorite things in a book. It came out on the heels of Gone Girl and was highly touted as like the next Gone Girl. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really that, but it was that next female thriller mm-hmm. i guess the book came out in 2015 the movie came out in 2016 if mm-hmm. that tells you how quickly they wanted to jump on that bandwagon yeah. it stars emily blunt the girl on the train is a british book it's written by a british author isn't emily blunt also it takes british? place in london the characters are british the lead actress emily blunt is british why does this movie take place in new york city why why does she play an american in new york city let me just tell you that I don't care about any of the rest of it. Also, the fact that a lot of the plot has changed significantly.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Why? <laughs> I don't understand. And it debuted. When they released the movie, they world premiered it in London.
1: Why? Why? That's Why? so dumb. Why? That's so dumb.
0: It's, it makes me want to scream. I know I can occasionally be a bit of an Anglophile,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but there was no reason. Money. I'm sure. I'm sure that's the only reason. Yeah. But I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's it is an inherently British move or book. Yeah, you can feel it.
1: Like we're you also f- not really a train culture here, uh-huh. so it's like what the girl on the subway. But no, it's like L trains. dumb. at least in the book,
0: they're on. So it's like because you have to. Here's the thing in the book. She sees people while she's riding the train. Mm -hmm. She sees the same people every day and starts to feel like she has some sort Mm -hmm. of connection to these people. Come to find out, she kind of does. But she doesn't know that at the time, in the beginning at least. In the movie, it's like she knows all the people already. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I don't know. I hate it.
1: Spare yourself and uh, instead enjoy The 450 from Paddington by Agatha Christie. (laughs) <laughs> True story. Okay,
0: so that's ending on that list, uh, or on that note. Uh, <laughs> those are the movies that are movie adaptations of books that we both love and hate. Yes. Some of which are okay, some, you know, whatever. So, comment on our social media posts and tell us which ones of these opinions you agree with, which ones you strongly disagree with, which ones we missed. Because there's a lot of movies we either intentionally left off because we didn't have time because we've already been recording this for over two hours or there's some that we probably just didn't think of. So
1: yeah, we tended to veer towards things we either had very strong positive or very strong negative feelings about. But there are a lot of books out there that were made into movies and they're both fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let us know what your favorites and least favorites are. Which ones make you angry and which ones make you laugh? Which ones you think...
1: Oh, that's spot on. I love it. Let me know what you think about that animated hobbit.
0: <laughs> Laura has strong Let feelings about it, apparently. All right, Laura. Yeah. Let's talk about some administrative things. Oh, Rachel. All right, folks if you've driven past the library or been inside there's a big giant hole in the side yard right now that is because we are currently in in the very beginning stages of an expansion and renovation project at the library which will span approximately the next year and a half yeah and they are going to be adding on to the building also renovating pretty much the entire interior of the building now For those of you who are listening and may not know, our library has not been expanded since 1972. It hasn't been renovated since 2004. These changes are kind of a long time coming. Mm -hmm. Our expansion is going to give us a little bit more room for children's programming, teen and adult programming. Those will have different spaces. Teens will have their own hangout space. We will have some meeting rooms, some study rooms, some some of the stuff that we have been, as a staff, have been wanting for a while. But in the meantime, we're going to have a whole lot of dirt, dust, noise, chaos, mess. And we know that that's not what you come to the library for, necessarily. Yes. So first and foremost, this is Laura and I telling you we apologize for the crazy inconveniences that you will probably experience at times we are also going to tell you to please please sign up for our text alerts you can do that through our website check our social media if you don't already follow our facebook or our instagram please pick one to follow because we will be giving you updates we record this podcast about a month in advance Mm -hmm. uh, three weeks to a month before it drops So giving you updates is a little difficult on the podcast. We can't tell you exactly what to expect, when things are going to be closed down, when you'll be able to access things. We can't do that here. Mm -hmm. We can do that through social media and through text alerts. So sign up for those things. If there's a a possibility, things change quickly sometimes. Plans that we thought were going to go one way (laughs) suddenly change and go another way. (laughs) So especially in regards to programming here at the library, we may on occasion have to change the location quickly. Sometimes you're going to come in the library and things aren't going to be where they were the last time you were here. We can keep you up to date on location changes and things like that through text alerts and through social media. Also, if you have questions about it, you can always give us a call. We have phone lines, which I'm assuming we will have the majority of the time. We hope so. Anyway. We are going to do our very best over the next year and a half. We are going to be open as much as we possibly can. There are going to be times when it's going to look real different in here. (laughs) It will be worth it in the end. Just hang on with us. No, we are doing our best. And... We, tr- we, we know that you guys are going to do your best to stick with us. We know that. The other thing I will tell you is that if you have an aversion to or an issue with noise or dust, curbside pickup is available. There may be times when it's the only thing that we're able to mm-hmm. offer. But for right now, as we record this, the library is functioning as normal. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is excavating the side yard. That's going to change. That's uh, probably
1: changed by the time you're listening to this. By the time broadcast. this
0: comes out, but we will keep you up to date as things move and change. If there's anything that we can do to help you remotely or bring your stuff to you uh, in your car, obviously not like to your house,
1: but if That'd there's any creepy if, <laughs> if we there's that.
0: anything that we could do to help you transition through this time, stop in and let us know, give us a call and let us know. Uh if you want to bring us chocolate, we won't say no. We won't. So, uh <laughs> I'm kidding about that part, but everything that preceded it, (laughs) I'm not joking about. So keep your ears and your eyes peeled for information as it comes. You might actually want to plug those ears. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for joining us. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye. The Bookmark is a podcast of the Wabash Carnegie Public Library. Recorded in the WCPO Makerspace. Hosted and produced by Rachel Castle and Laura Butler. Edited by Rachel Castle. Show notes created by Laura Butler. For more information on the bookmark and any services available through the Wabash Carnegie Public Library, please visit our website at www.wabash.lib.in.us or check us out on Facebook, or Instagram at Wabash Library. Yeah, well, don't keep them too peeled, or something. I don't know how to in that sentence. <laughs> I think I've reached the I'm done point. Rachel's it. Rachel's point. real hungry right now. We're in the middle of my lunch hour now. Oh, so I'm hungry.
1: What if the next episode was just me quietly sobbing? And maybe us doing so in tandem. And maybe you quietly
0: sobbing, and that's it because I'm not here. Oh no!
1: <laughs> oh no!
0: We won't be able to edit it. It'll just be unfiltered Laura crying.
1: This is getting cut. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Alrighty.
0: Someday I'll figure out how to bleep things, and then I'll just leave a big us. bleeping bleep tirade. Us.